Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News on Wednesday, February 10th, 2021. Stand up for your country. Got a little breaking news, an exclusive story tonight for you that nobody else has but us, I think. <laughs> I'm going to say it's nobody else has it, but I don't think they do because we, uh, we're watching pretty closely. It has to do with, uh, with the social media stuff, and uh, it's fascinating. Um, all right, so, uh, yeah, impeachment to the fiasco. Uh, I didn't watch any of it today. Uh, my crack staff did. I have one soundbite I'll play you because I kind of have to play you one soundbite. It doesn't matter. Um, as we have reported, uh, this is preordained. The Democrats keep saying we have new stuff. We have new stuff. They don't have anything new. Not that I've seen. Now you can say, well, O'Reilly, how would you know you didn't even watch it? Again, I have a staff. The <laughs> staff is paid very well to do this. I also read all the dispatches that come in, um, and I haven't seen anything new at all. The only thing new is what we reported last night is that they cut out uh, President Trump's exculpatory statements of peacefully and patriotically. Cut it out of the presentation. That was new, um, and I don't want to make light of this, uh, but I was on Hannity today, and we posted it on BillOReilly.com. I think you'd be entertained if you uh, listen to it. But I basically said that impeachment is now done as a uh, protector for the people. So the founding fathers put it in just in case a president really was uh, doing something that hurt the folks that you could get him out. Now it's done. I mean, we had two impeachments, Andrew Johnson, Bill Clinton. And now impeachment is like everybody can be impeached if the um, other party controls Congress. Um, now, before I got on the air, I was listening to CBS radio. And, and you know, I, I try to keep up to what everybody else is doing and reporting. And CBS radio came on and said, oh, a prosecutor in Fulton County, Georgia, is now investigating President Trump for criminal, possible criminal activities. And this is the phone call that Mr. Trump made to the Georgia Secretary of State, said, look, I think I won that state, Georgia, by a lot. You know, find me 11,000 votes because that's what I need to win it, but I won it by a lot. That's not a crime. It's not a crime. But the Fulton County prosecutor is some far, far left person who wants publicity. And knows that Atlanta, that's Fulton County, uh, went like 95% for Biden. And, and so, oh, I'm going to investigate. Nothing will come of it. But rather than report the story and then put it into perspective, which is what CBS Radio should have done, because the casual listener doesn't know all this. This is just a pile-on, all right? Trump's a, trim, uh, Trump's a criminal. It's just really, and I said to Hannity, you know, we're now in a country where there is no truth. There's no search for the truth. People don't know the truth. And that's dangerous. And it is. Okay. Um, Jamie Raskin is a uh, congressperson from California, a Trump hater, very far left guy. And he's kind of taken the lead. Uh, and this, what I'm going to play you now, this is what the Democrats have. They have just this. Go. The evidence will show you 
that he saw it come and was not remotely surprised by the violence. And when the violence inexorably and inevitably came as predicted and overran this body, in the House of Representatives with chaos, we will show you that he completely abdicated his duty as commander-in-chief to stop the violence and protect the government and protect our officers and protect our people. He violated his oath of office to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution, the government, and the people of the United States. Inevitably came as predicted. I didn't hear any prediction, did you? I was surprised when the mob stormed the Capitol. I was very surprised. I, and I followed his stuff as closely as any human being on this planet. I didn't hear any predictions of a capital assault. Did you? Did anybody? So there is no sanction for Congressman Raskin to lie. He can lie all he wants to lie. It's not a court of law. It's not a civil court. He gets up there and he can just say whatever he wants to say. And they will for 16 hours. Now, tomorrow or uh, maybe Friday, Trump's side will come on and say whatever they want. Okay, I'm not going to watch that either. I'm just going to pray that Monday comes up real fast and this gets put behind the country. Um, and if there is anything new, which if there were, it would have already been introduced. Believe me, there's nothing new despite what they say. So this caught my eye. Caitlin Collins is a White House reporter for CNN. Roll the tape on her. I'm now being told by two people familiar with President Trump's reaction, former President Trump, I should say that he was deeply unhappy with that performance. He was borderline screaming, according to these two people who are aware of how the president responded to Bruce Castor as he was going forward, making that argument. Now, Mr. Castor is Trump's lawyer, and he was speaking yesterday. Now, two people familiar with President Trump's reaction. What does that mean? What does that mean? Familiar? I mean, were they there? If they were there, Trump's going to know that they were talking to CNN and disparage them. Now, was Trump upset by his lawyer's uh, presentation yesterday? Maybe. I would have been. I didn't think the lawyers that he put forth did him any good. But this is just garbage. Two people familiar. And then she says, um, Two people who are aware of how the president responded. Well, yeah, that could be anybody. Well, I talked to this one and this one told me that. And no, they told me this. And I read an email. Uh, it just so now any news organization can say just what she said. Wow, I heard somebody who knew told me that's not reporting. <laughs> that's not that never would have happened 10 years ago. Okay, um, so we hope that it all wraps up on Monday, and it almost has to because Joe Biden has a town hall on Tuesday. Did you know that? CNN. I also talked to Hannity about this. I told Hannity that he was lucky to have me on next Wednesday on his radio program because I could analyze the Biden town hall for him. So this is a riot. I don't even know if Joe Biden knows he's doing a town hall. I think somebody say, hey, Mr. President, we're going to go to Wisconsin and tour a cheese factory. And then on the day of there, and by the way, we're also going to do a town hall. But CNN 
puts out a, uh, I guess, an email and says, look, if you have any questions, send them to us. All right. And then if we like them, you can be in the town hall. So CNN is going to know in advance what the questions are going to be from the folks. And then Biden's going to know. The Biden campaign will know because it's out, it's out there. All of the emails will be out there. We'll all know. So what good is it? What good is it? There's only one real question. Where's the vaccine? Don't, I don't want to hear you blaming Trump. Where is it? How come it's so hard to get it to the states? Is it Pfizer's fault, Moderna's fault? Where, where is it? That's it. That's the only question. And I mean, I'd follow up with, uh, what is this open border stuff? What is this legitimizing sanctuary city stuff? Why, why are you not upholding the law as you swore you would do in the inaugural address when you were sworn in? Why, what, what are you doing? Now, that's a little more confrontational, but I would certainly ask it. Anderson Cooper is not going to ask it. He wouldn't even ever. I don't. Maybe he'll ask where the vaccine is. Maybe. All right. So the uh, thing is at uh, 8 p.m. next Tuesday, February 16th in Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Um, University of Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin, Milwaukee faculty, staff and students are invited to submit questions. They're the only ones invited. And um, the reason I would ask the Vax question right at the top is a poll today from Gallup says 66 percent of the American people are really teed off. That they can't get the vaccination. They don't know where it is. They don't know why they don't have it. How about a little uh, clarity? Okay. Here's our breaking news. You ready for this? This is really good. So, Senator Mark Warren, backed by Senators Amy Klobuchar and Maisie Hirano, one of my personal favorites from Hawaii. All right, all three of them avowed liberal. They are introducing a bill tomorrow. Um, or they already, no, I'm sorry. They already introduced this bill last Friday. And the bill is called the Safe Tech Act, and it allows victims who are harmed by Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, all of that, to sue, to sue those companies. Now they can't. So now uh, all the social media companies have immunity, government immunity for being directly sued if you're harmed by something put up on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. Okay, now why would these liberal people do that? They got the social media in their pockets already. Why, why do they want to open this up like that? Here's why. Ready? Okay. So, you know the Proud Boys far-right organization? They're banned from Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Out of here. No Proud Boys. Can't use it. How about uh, Antifa? Not banned. Now, this is a group that has attacked police officers, civilians, and we'll talk to one of the civilians this group attacked in a moment, okay? This group has burned down cities, has caused unbelievable amounts of violence, has hundreds of their members arrested. It's still up. Antifa Sacramento, Antifa uh, Newark, no, I'm sorry, Torch Antifa Network, Atlanta 
Antifa all up on Twitter. Okay? Uh, and on and on and on. Antifa International YouTube channel is recruiting people. It's up. So, Proud Boys, which, you know, is a confrontational group, much smaller than Antifa, um, they're not on. But Antifa's on. How about that? So, uh, if this law passes, I don't think it will as the way it's drawn up. Um, I'd like to see the social media companies have some kind of skin in the game here. I don't mind that they've thrown the Proud Boys off because I think the Proud Boys are looking for trouble. I do. Could be wrong. I don't know any Proud Boys, but from what I've seen on their rhetoric and stuff like that, I think they're looking for trouble. I know Antifa's looking for trouble. I know they want to violently overthrow this country. And say you were involved and Antifa hurt you. Well, you could go after some of these social media companies under this new legislation. Okay, so uh, I'm pleased to uh, bring a uh, guest in who has a brand new book. It's called Inside, Unmasked Inside Antifa's Radical Plan to Destroy Democracy. Uh, Andy knows the author. He's coming to us from London, England. Now, you may know Mr. No, because he was the primary reporter on the Portland, Oregon riots caused by Antifa. They attacked him, beat him up, um, almost killed him. Uh, he knows more about the organization than anybody I know. Now, I have read his book. I took the time to read the entire book. And it is a, it's an excellent book. If you really want to know what's going on here, uh, Unmasked, you should read it. And it's, and it's very well documented. It's not one of these CNN, well, sources close to say everybody's named document right down to the lowest level. All right. First question, Andy, and thanks for helping us out over in London. Um, what's the difference, in your opinion, between Antifa and Proud Boys? Uh, well, the ideologies are completely different. I do think it's fair to describe the Proud Boys as extreme because several of their members have been um, convicted of uh, criminal activities before. And currently they're under investigation for alleged role in what happened on the uh, in the Capitol on the 6th of January. Um, Antifa, on the other hand, um, they're much more, they're harder for people to understand because they operate as cells that are connected um, by networks. And a lot of these groups and cells don't even have Antifa in the name. So there's always plausible deniability in their actions. So for example, I document quite meticulously in the book, the actions that they carried out in American cities last year. And then my detractors would, detractors would turn around and say, how do you know this is Antifa? Just because uh, they're dressed in this particular way, just because they say certain things, how do you know it's Antifa? So they, you know, they just, they're organized in a way that gives them this ability to sort of deny that they even exist. Okay, but there's and, enough of them 
in Portland and Seattle and other cities that say we are. I mean, they're admitting it. They use social media to organize, though. They still use social media to say, we're going to be here. You might want to show up there, don't they? Yes, they do. So one question I get asked a lot is, how can we actually stop them? Well, first, big tech needs to step up. And if they're going to talk about rooting out uh, violent extremist groups and groups that organize violence, well, they can't say that if they're only going to go after one side and allow Antifa to organize. So much of the riots that happened in Portland last year actually were organized on Twitter, for example. They were promoted and shared uh, hundreds and thousands of times every day. A new flyer was coming out that gave information for where people can meet. Um, they, people were also creating like GoFundMe accounts, creating uh, accounts on Cash App and Venmo to raise hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars to cover everything from riot gear, accommodation, travel, weapons, um, et cetera. So big tech is, um, they're part of the problem here. Okay, so they use that as their primary communications form. Um, you have an interesting uh, chapter in the book, again, the book is named Unmasked, where you link up Black Lives Matter Global Foundation with Antifa. Do you think they work together? They do work together. If you go to any BLM protest over the past few years, you'll see Antifa volunteering as security. And the DC chapter of Black Lives Matter, which is one of the largest in the US, their social media, their official verified Twitter account has all these posts throughout last year calling for their supporters to come support Antifa at their various events. Um, these two movements are different in that they have different origins and different ultimate agendas, but they have a partnership now because they share a mutual enemy in the United States. BLM makes no secret of their desire to um, uh, uh, dis dismantle the criminal justice system, to abolish police, to abolish capitalism to abolish the traditional family. These are all the things that they have in common with Antifa. Okay. Um, did you see in the course of your research, any media organization, national or local in Portland or Seattle, that covered Antifa properly, fact-based, uh, really let the folks know what was going on? Uh, by and large, no. So Antifa had um, became a mainstream phenomenon starting in 2016 because of their the useful idiots in the legacy media and the mainstream media and entertainment culture who actually think that these violent extremists are anti-fascist. And so we were getting um, exposed day in and day out to this propaganda that um, the election of Trump signaled um, ascended American fascism, that we were on the cusp of another Holocaust. So it gave a lot of legitimacy for Antifa's violent actions to move from the fringe far left straight into the mainstream left to the point of where you see Democrats um, deny, uh, denying the violence of Antifa, refusing to denounce them. Uh, some don't even recognize that Antifa exists. Um, but journalism, I would say, has done the most damage because it's put into the minds of people that Antifa are merely uh, anti-fascists who are opposing neo-Nazis and the far right, 
rather than um, anarchist communists who are trying to destabilize uh, parts of the United States through acts of domestic terrorism, such as setting fires to government buildings where people are inside, bringing sure. knives and homemade explosives yeah, and they beat, to their riots. They beat, you, they beat you up, and that's a harrowing part of your book. You know, I used to work in Portland at Channel 2, KTU-TV. Uh, when I was there, this never the coverage never would have been done. I mean, obviously, I would have covered it, and I would have covered it hard. Um, why did Antifa choose Portland and Seattle to really... Um, make their stand in those cities? Um, Portland, I think, became the epicenter of American Antifa because of its unique place as a political left-wing monoculture. So, and it's a smaller sized city. So everybody on city council, all the mayors and the really the entire populace are really probably further to the left than mainstream Democrats in that you'll see like the Democratic Socialist America, um, a lot of their activism. Uh, and so when there's no counterpoise in this city, in these areas like Portland and Seattle, there's no um, mechanism for Democrats and progressives to actually moderate. They're always constantly being pushed further to the left by the radicals in the city who try Did to the move police... over to the windows. Do the police in Portland and Seattle despise Antifa? Um, well, they've been injured by the hundreds by Antifa. And um, I have a lot of sympathy for the beat cops. But when it comes to um, why police are feckless, it, it's really because of poor leadership coming from above. Uh, Portland's political structure is also part of the issue in that our mayor yeah. is also the police commissioner. Yeah, Wheeler and, so, and all that. And, and the DA doesn't prosecute there, the district attorney of Multnomah County and all that. So they're pretty much getting what they deserve out in Portland and Seattle. I mean, if you're going to be this uh, hospitable to a violent anarchist group, this is what you're going to get. Final question. You got a new book. It's a good book. Are you having uh, any trouble booking yourself on CBS, ABC, NBC, these kinds of places? Oh, they won't even care to have me on. Um, CNN is, is the only left of center station that ever had me on, and that was after I was beaten in 2019. And even when my face was all bruised and scabbed up, uh, I was asked some questions that sort of framed me as the aggressor in some way, in my opinion. So your publisher can't get you on Good Morning America, the Today Show, those kinds of things? No, it's because uh, the legacy media is not interested in the accesses from their own side. Yeah. Fox News? Fox News, I've been on, thankfully. Yeah. Okay. All right, Andy, good luck with it. We really appreciate it. You know, stay strong. Continue the good reporting. We need it. Cancel culture updates. Uh, Aunt Jemima, gone, as you know. Uh, now we have a new uh, pancake thing. Pearl Milling Company put a, a water mill on its, uh, on its cover. Okay. I gave up sugar, so that's not going to be in my house, but I uh, thought you'd like to know. Mark Cuban owns the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, no more national anthem uh, before the games, according to Mr. Cuban. However, um, late today, the, uh, the NBA said, uh-uh, National Anthem has to be played before every game. 
So Mark Cuban gets smacked down. We asked Mark to come on. I've known him for a long time. He was respectful to us, but it said, no, not coming up against me any time soon. And the reason that Cuban didn't want the national anthem is because his players. You know, I mean, the league is very, very African-American centric um, and very social justice oriented. And the owners, they don't want to go up against that. And the national anthem, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> That's the opposite of uh, social justice? I don't think so. Um, there is a group called the Federation for American Immigration Reform, FAIR. Did a study. I cannot vouch for the study. I'll just give you the stats. All right. The group says that there are 14 and a half undocumented people living in the USA right now. 14 and a half million and 5 million anchor babies, babies that were uh, conceived by the undocumented parents who are American citizens, because that's the anchor baby thing. If you're born on this soil, you are automatically an American citizen. The group says it costs the United States $134 billion a year to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 134 billion goes to the care, the aid, the adjudication of the undocumented. And 60% of those undocumented, according to FAIR, overstay their visas. So most of them don't sneak across the border. COVID school update, Chicago, finally going to go back. All right. After all this time, they're going back. Teachers are going back. But the teachers union guy doesn't like it, Jesse Sharkey says the plan is not what any of us deserve. Okay, Jesse. But they got scared. She said Chicago might do something. I don't think it would, but it might. Philadelphia, no. Not going back. Nope. No way. Uh, here's the absurd quote of the day. This is from Thomas Friedman, a columnist for the New York Times. So he's talking about how bad America is, as usual. That's Mr. Freedom's, Friedman's uh, constant theme. He says, quote, I'll tell you something that they, the Chinese communists, weren't thinking about in China this week. They weren't thinking about some knucklehead. That's President Trump. They weren't spending the week thinking about a knucklehead who claimed 9-11 didn't happen. This is, I guess, the QAnon stuff. They weren't thinking about some guy who was a QAnon shaman. He's a guy who broke into the Capitol. They were probably thinking about some bad stuff with the Uyghurs and all of that, but I guarantee they weren't wasting their time on this nonsense. So Friedman basically saying that, that, you know, the Chinese, they're kind of better than we are as far as how they do public policy. So in China, the Muslims are in concentration camps, all right? The people who want to discuss the danger of COVID are in prison. Um... If you get out of line like Jimmy Lee, the capitalist, you are arrested, charged, and imprisoned. But Tom Friedman, hey, we're a lot worse here. (laughs) New York Times, everyone. Yeah. This day in history, February 10th, 1967, the 25th Amendment is ratified. Okay. Now, this came off the Kennedy assassination. So we had a lot of discussion about the 25th Amendment, Joe Biden, 
maybe taken out and Kamala Harris put in there because Biden would be delirious or whatever. Not going to happen. I told you from the beginning, it's not going to happen. But 54 years ago, um, the 25th Amendment was ratified by Congress and signed into law. Um, here it is. First section, in case of the removal of a president from office by his death or resignation, the vice president takes over. Whenever there is a vacancy in the office of the vice presidency, the president appoints, all right, appoints. Like Gerald Ford, we took over from Nixon. Nixon resigned, appointed Rockefeller. Okay, remember Nelson Rockefeller. But Congress has to ratify the appointment. Um, anyway, the third section is that if a president comes to the Senate and says, I can't carry on, all right, the 25th Amendment is immediately invoked and a VP takes over. But a vice president and cabinet members can petition the Senate, and that's what they want to do to Trump, that the president can't fulfill his office duties and the Senate can remove. So this is the 25th Amendment. It was ratified 54 years ago today. The presidents that got into trouble in office, William Henry Harrison died, Zachary Taylor died, Abraham Lincoln assassinated, Garfield assassinated, McKinley assassinated, Woodrow Wilson had a stroke, Warren Harding died, Franklin D. Roosevelt died, Dwight Eisenhower suffered a heart attack, okay, and they thought he might die. Then he had a stroke, but he made it through. And JFK, of course, was assassinated. All right, so you clear on the 25th Amendment? Now we are going to take a break, and we'll be back with a rollicking mail segment. And then a final thought of the day involving, once again, me. Um, I hate to make it about me, but there's a lot of stuff happening, and I want to tell you about this. So we'll be back in a moment. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. All right, let's go to the mail. We got Brian, a concierge member. That means Brian can uh, talk to me off the record, but he posted this on the BillOReilly.com message board. President Trump accused Democrats of rigging the election. He summoned a mob of angry supporters to the Capitol and filled the mob with a sense of burning injustice. President Trump even made them think Vice President Pence was a traitor. And then, after all that incitement by Trump and his allies, he remembered to say, be peaceful, at the very last minute, when the angry mob had already been assembled and enraged. And because of that, one word, peaceful, we're supposed to forget all the above and accept the claim that there's no connection between the riot and Trump. 
you make a couple of mistakes in your analysis, I believe, Brian. Number one, the FBI now says that this insurrection at the Capitol was planned well in advance of any Trump speech. Okay. Number two, Donald Trump did say the words quite clearly, peacefully and patriotically. Burning down a Capitol or breaking in is not patriotic. So if he wanted to incite violence, if he wanted to do that, as you, um, I guess, believe, why would he insert that? Why would he do it? Okay. So here is another case, if you read the United States of Trump, my book, of Donald Trump not disciplining his message. And I agree, he did not. And he's paid an awful, awful price for that. He did not discipline his message. When speaking to a mob, and it was, that's angry, and it was, you've got to be very precise in what you say. The president was not. But what he did was not a crime. It's not impeachable, and this whole thing is a farce. Mary Jane, this whole impeachment fiasco makes us love Trump even more. Keep it up, Dems. You will never turn us away from President Trump. Now, there are a lot of people who believe the way that Mary Jane believes, all right, that, that this just makes Trump more of a martyr, more of a hero in their eyes. Dana Hess, Georgetown, Texas. Is there any way to separate the United States into two countries without a civil war? No. Once a state is ratified into the union, that state is in the union forever can't secede, can't do that. All right. That's the contract. Phil Waldrop, uh, Decatur, Alabama. If President Trump is convicted, which he won't be, could he appeal to the Supreme Court and have it overturned on the basis of constitutionality? Interesting question. Um, I don't think so, but I, that might be an effort. And since the Chief Justice wouldn't preside might get kind of dicey. Rocky Cavano, Windsor, Colorado. We need to get back to investigating voting fraud or we're done as a country. You know, I agree. Some states are. We're going to have a report tomorrow, Rocky. Uh, there are some states that are making reforms now. The federal government's not going to do it. And they should. Absolutely should. Patricia, Mr. O'Reilly, you stated President Trump stopped being concerned about COVID. Wasn't Pence in charge? After the vote, nobody was in charge. After November 3rd, then all chaos. It was all election all the time. And all of the COVID briefings, all of that pretty much stopped. That's what happened. Lee, concierge member, uh, Bill, how do we stop the existence of fascism on college campuses? when the entire administrative faculty and student bodies are all in favor of fascism. The only way you can bring some semblance of control over fascism on college campuses is for the alumni to stop giving money. Now, I uh, got a master, I got a BA in history from Marist College. Loved it there. Played football on a newspaper, great experience, third year abroad, loved it. Gave a lot of money in college. Class of 71, my class, always tops in giving to that college. College took a sharp turn left. Had to fire its president because he was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. We still don't know. My class, a very aware class, stopped giving money to Marist College. That's what you do if you're alumni and care about your 
college. Brian Bellinger, a taunt in Massachusetts. Bill, you said the corrupt media is on its way out. But is that not of our part of our checks and balances? How can democracy survive without national media? Media has nothing to do with checks and balances. All right, it has nothing to do with the government. Totally separate. Profit. Private companies. All right. Government has no control over the media whatsoever. But you're right. If we have a dishonest and corrupt media, which we do, it's a lot harder to have a functioning republic. A lot harder. Arlene Yost, San Luis Obispo, nice town, California. I live in California. Our gas prices are over $3 a gallon right now. That's because California hits you for 50 cents a gallon. Do you know that, uh, Arlene? California is whacking you for 50 cents a gallon on taxes. And federal government has taxed too. All going up. Chris Taylor, London, England. Bill, in your opinion, as an American historian, has there ever been a time of more open disdain between political parties and visceral hatred between their respective supporters? Civil war was way more than it is now. Civil war, Chris, was off the chart. Hatred. Um, during the Vietnam War, it's pretty nasty. During the Depression, bad. Worse than now, debatable. But the Civil War, far and away, the worst strife we've ever had here. Richard Coffin, Columbus, Ohio. Bill, I wholeheartedly support your drive for the free speech movement. And along with that, can't we simple people also support a drive for term limits? You can, but Congress has got to vote the term limits in, and they won't. Um, as far as the speech movement, uh, the uh, group that we talked to about it has now a website. Very simple, speech movement, one word, speechmovement.org. So I just go there. I suggest you check it out. If you like it, join up. If you don't, you don't. But at least these people out of Nevada are trying to do something. Um, Stuart, Bill, you were teaching high school when you were the age of 22, 21. I was 21 when I started teaching high school in Miami. Um, but I was a smart 21. <laughs> yeah, that was quite an experience. I was teaching... Uh, students two years younger than me in, in high school. But I didn't take any garbage, as you can well imagine. Okay, we'd like you to uh, pre-order Killing the Mob out May 4th. If you do, we'll give you 50% off Killing Crazy Horse. I think you'll enjoy these books. Um, Killing Crazy Horse, a massive bestseller, as you know. Uh, if you buy any three of my books, Killing Books or the others, get a stand-up for your, hunt, for your country hat. Free. All right, spring's coming. Get the hat and free books. You'll like them. Word of the day when writing to us, no vexation. V-E-X-A-T-I-O-N. Back with a final thought in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, here's the final thought of the day. Some of you uh, have seen advertisements um, for the Oxford Group, and you see my picture on those advertisements. I want to explain this once again because 
They have a big campaign starting today, and you may see that on the Internet or anywhere they advertise. So the Oxford Group is a financial organization. Way back in 2003, 18 years ago, I started getting their newsletter. And I didn't know anybody there. They're out of Baltimore. I just gave it a try. And I made a lot of money by the recommendations of a man named Alexander Green. So out of nowhere, I think it was three years ago, they called me up and I said, would you like to um, interview Alexander Green? And uh, it's a paid situation. They pay me money. And I interview him about what he's doing. Now, I usually don't do this kind of stuff, but I did very well. And my whole thing is to help you. Now, I'm not telling you to buy the Oxford Group or to do anything like that. They can tell you that. I'm also going to tell you if you buy stocks, you could lose your money. But I also tell you that Oxford's philosophy is when you buy a stock, you put a stop sell order 15% down so you don't get wiped out. So if the stock goes down 15%, you automatically sell it. You don't get killed. Okay. So now we have this new thing. And I do the same thing I did the other couple of times. I interview Mr. Green about his vision going forward in the stock market. I told you three or four times in the interview, I'm not touting these stocks. I'm not telling you to buy them. That would be irresponsible of me. I would never do that. The stock market is risky. But again, I have made money buying some of Alexander Green's recommendations. Not all. I check it out on my own. Okay? And I figured you'd want to know that. So that's what this is all about. Now, we have sponsors on the No Spin News and on our radio broadcasts and all of that. We vet them. That means we investigate the companies and make sure there's no shenanigans, nothing bad. And so you can know that the companies that advertise with us are vetted. And the same thing with the Oxford Group. All right. So that's the deal. Um, I want everybody to prosper. Bottom line. We'll see you tomorrow.